0: Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord God, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to bring continued healing from conflicts in relationships. Father, even the testimonies that are coming in, Lord God, are proof that you are doing something deep because all of us want to have healing in any relationship or restoration or reconciliation, whether it be our family members, our friends, or our church family. Bring healing and instruction in Jesus' name. And everyone said, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 13, 11 through 14 in the ESV. Everybody say ESV. I don't use the ESV a lot, but... um, I could, I, I could say that in my 20 years of preaching the gospel, um, I've never preached on this uh, verse ever. So this is hot off the press for you. And the reason why I say this is because sometimes when we preach or when we read the Bible, uh, I don't know if you're a lot like me, like when it comes to Leviticus, I'm like, uh, just let's just go past Leviticus right here, right now. And when we, and sometimes when we see the greetings or the salutations in Scripture, we're like, okay, they're just saying goodbye or they're saying hello. But, they're, but actually, the writers of these epistles are actually summing up something or introducing something very heavy into the body that if we don't read carefully, we totally miss the summation of what the Scriptures are wanted to, to share. Are you hungry this morning for the Lord? So, 2 Corinthians 13 11, verse 14, he, Paul the Apostle ends his letter to the two, to his second letter to the Corinthian church and sums up what he's trying to say in, in two or three verses. And I never have seen this before, especially in the ESV. It says this, finally, brothers, again, so he's, this is the, the very last verses of 2 Corinthians, the, last, the second book of Corinthians, okay? Look how he sums this up, guys. All right, ready? Finally, brothers, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. That means everything's going to be good eventually, right? Now watch this. Aim for restoration. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now thank God some men have not not been obedient to that commandment with me. Greet each other with a holy kiss and all the saints greet you. Now watch this. Here's, a little, here's the key right here. All right? Look at this. Look at the last verse. Next verse. The grace of the Lord, say the grace of the Lord, Jesus Christ, and the love of God, say the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, say fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Now look up at me. When you th- read this, it's almost like if I could just, not, I'm not trying to be irreverent, but when we read this, most Christians don't get excited about this portion. It's like, oh, it's the end of the, let's go to the next book. There's really not a lot of rah-rah, heavy-revy, but there actually is revelation here. The, the Apostle Paul uh, actually says something because when a, when a relationship is fractured, how many have experienced a wound in, in a relationship? In any relationship, a wound, a conflict, a verbal dispute that hurt your emotions. Amen. The rest of you need to answer the altar call at the end. Glory to God. You need to repent for lying. No, just talking. Just talking. It could hurt, right? But God, but but uh, in order for you to understand this last sentence here, you need to have an understanding of the history of the Corinthian church. Now, the Corinthian church was very divisive. They were very confused. They were very combative with each other. In other words, they had a lot of relational conflicts with each other. You say, how do I know this? Because it's in Corinthians that that Paul had to address. The Apostle Paul had to address the Corinthians because some were saying, I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Paul. And Paul was like, No, no, no! You're not from me. You're not from Cephas. You're not from Apollos. We are in Christ Jesus. Jesus. That's why he had to say, when, oh, when you are in Christ, all things are, are new, all things are are, are, are are brand new, and all things are passed away. That was in Corinthians. He had to correct a lot of, watch this, misguided, divisional things when it comes to relationships. Now watch this. This is important. Because uh, there was a culture of division in the Corinthians church, so, G- so Paul the Apostle actually ends his summation by saying, hey, I want you to aim. This is what I want you to do. I want you to aim for restoration with all people. Now, wait a minute. Now, now wait. Have you guys, I haven't, actually, I think I did it one time. I did a horrible job. Have you ever done archery? Has anybody ever, has anybody ever tried archery or at least seen it in the Olympics? <laughs> I tried it one time. And I thought I was bad. Oh, I missed the whole bullseye. I mean, completely. I was like, okay, I got this. And it was like, over there. Thank God no one was over there. But when you aim at a bullseye, it takes focus, quietness, concentration, attention to achieve what you're aiming for. You just don't walk up and say, restoration, Psh, there it goes. No. What happens is in order to achieve the bullseye or hit the bullseye, you gotta aim. And aim requires yourself to be still and 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 stop being busy and focus. Why? Because when you focus, then you aim. But so the apostle Paul says: the type of concentration and focus and attention that's needed in your life right now is that you need to aim for restoration with everyone. Uh, The 2018 version, because you all are jacked up. (laughs) He says, you guys are jacked up. You guys are are, are division. You guys need to aim for restoration. Now, say restoration. Look at the, the slide. The Apostle Paul sums up his second letter to the Corinthian church by harping on one main thing. He told them and us... To aim for restoration with all people. Now, why do I say that? Because we have been breaking down the word reconciliation the last couple of, of weeks. We understood the word reconciliation means uh, that, that there is a root word of atonement, a root, root of getting things together. But today I want to w- focus on the word restoration. Say restoration. Boy, I feel the Holy Spirit. You. Let me just say this. You will not be healed if you think that you don't need restoration in some area of your lives. When it comes to relationships, I, I've told this to the church before, and I'll say it again for those who are not new. For, sorry, th- those who are new here. The white hairs on my beard has come more out of relational conflicts that I had to go through than any other thing in my whole life. Yeah, I've had, we've all had financial pressure, but to me, the emotional pain, don't sit there and, talk and think that that doesn't hurt. The emotional pain that comes on an individual when a, a relationship is fractured is very heavy. When a relationship is hurt, when a best friend no longer talks to you, when a church uh, uh, body is mad with each other and they used to be like family, when husbands and wives no longer talk to each other, there is a very big hurt. And for some reason, most of the time, people don't like to address elephants in the room when it comes to fractured relationships. They just think that, you know what, let's just not address this. And the wound gets getting bigger until there's a catastrophic break. And so why I say this is because the, re- the Greek word for restoration is katarizo. If you could put that up there, the slide. The Greek word for restoration is katarizo. all right? So you guys could take a picture of that. Now, the word katarizo means, uh, it's going to be in the next slide. It means, put the next slide up there, buddy. To be made complete, to mend or repair. This is the, the Greek word for restore, which is katarizo. Think about this now. It means to be made complete, to mend or repair what has been broken. So when he says restore, keep that up, aim for restoration of all people, he's saying aim to be complete with all people. To mend, repair what has been broken with people. Aim for it. Aim. Don't wait for it to come to you. You aim for it. All right? It's a word used to heal a fractured bones, and I'm not a fisherman, but I looked up some of this stuff. It's used to mend the net of fishermen. Now, mending nets took skill. I I did some YouTube study, YouTube, right? And I did some dictionary studies. I'm not a fisherman, but when, when people say, when the Bible says, and the fishermen were mending their nets, you know what they were actually doing? How many understand what mending nets means? Okay. If you don't understand, it's not just uh, calling it the day, I used to read that and say, "Oh, they're calling it a day, so they're mending. They're they're just washing their nets, cleaning. That's not what mending means. Mending does not mean they're washing their nets from the from the filth of the of the fish. It was actually a gaping hole that the fish caused, or the sharks caused, or some uh, a creature uh, it, or, or a line. So the net that was used, that was whole, that was used to capture." Fish was actually now a gaping hole where fish could go right through it and there's no fish could be caught. So the person that mended, I saw it, took time. They actually had to sew from one knot to the other and then they had to go on, go, on, go, go right here and then go to the next one. It literally took about 10 minutes for, for someone to mend a hole that was about this big. But after they did, the net was restored back to normal and they could use it for its purposes. The word catarizo or restore means to restructure something. Oh, I'm going to preach for a second here. That has been broken, like a surgeon uses stitches to close an open wound. The surgeon uses stitches and is very careful to make points so that the gap could close as its original purpose. As the word restoration is bringing that back to its original purpose, and it's the same principle when applying to our spiritual, emotional, and and mental relationships that we have suffered hurt from. That same word, restore, is used in another word in Galatians, uh, where you probably read it, where it says, uh, Paul the Apostle says, brethren if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Right? That's the same word. It's Galatians 6, uh, um, um, verse 1 through 2. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Now, after we seek to restore relationships that have gone sour, the Bible says in that scripture that at the end, the peace and the love of God will be with you. Now, I want to say something that the Lord revealed to me. If you could put that first scripture up, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14. There's three keys at the very end of 2 Corinthians that I saw for the first time that actually are keys to healing every relational conflict or wound that we have. If we don't have these Three keys we will be missing out significantly in the healing process. How many have been shortcutted the healing process and have succumbed to no longer talking to that person? And if you had some keys back then, then maybe your relationship will be saved. Paul the apostle ends his, his letter not by just saying bye-bye. I used to say that all the time. Oh, well, he's just saying bye. May the grace be. no. He gives us three keys to overcome and to heal relationships that without these dynamics, it will be very hard to see restoration, what he just said, aim for restoration, in any relationship. All right? Put that, look, look, put that slide, the first slide. So he actually says, he says, the, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. That's the first thing. In a sentence, he says the grace of the Lord, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The first one we're going to talk about this morning is the grace of the Lord Jesus. Everybody say grace. I never saw this before, but we need the grace of the Lord to be applied in every relationship that we have. Why? Because the grace of God can be approached in two different ways. Hear me now. Hear me. The grace of God could be applied in two different ways. Oh, you're going, to, you're going to be happy. Some of you are not going to be happy with me. The first way to apply are you ready for this the first way to apply the grace of God remember remember when he said may the grace of God be with you he wasn't just ending a story he was actually saying it in relationship to aim for restoration for all do you hear me do you get that connection when he says aim for restoration of all he goes i'm going to give you the tools how to restore all May the grace of God be with you in your troubles, in your relationship. May the grace of God be with you in your conflict. Now, why do we need the grace of God? In two areas, we need the grace of God. We, number one, we need the grace of God in our relationships to give people more grace in our relationships. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You didn't, you didn't get that. We need the grace of God to be applied in one manner, to give grace... To our relationships, in other words, cut some slack to people who have wounded you unintentionally because they themselves are hurting or they themselves are don't understand. And we're so quick to cut off a God-related, God-initiative a relationship because we have a short rope. When someone does us wrong, we want to cut them off. The grace of God. See, I didn't get any amens of that. The grace of God is applied in this area that we need to give people slack. Giving some people slack means not being quick to let go of a relationship that God has initiated. Notice that I say God has initiated because there's some relationships that God does not initiate. And you need to say bye-bye to those. I understand that. But, everybody say but. In order for the grace of God to be applied in every relationship, we need to have the definition of grace. Number one is cutting some slack on people because people that are perfectionists, are you ready for this? People who are perfectionists have very little grace concerning their relationships. When you're a perfectionist by nature in your relationships, you will have very little tolerance when it comes to your relationships. Because a perfectionist has little grace when people mess up. And we're so quick to throw away a relationship because we don't understand that when Paul the Apostle says, may the grace of the Lord be with you, he's not just saying, may the grace, the, 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 the thing that we say before dinner time. He's saying, "May the reality of grace be in your relationships, that are, that are needing restoration when you aim for it. You cannot have a healthy relationship without applying the grace of God in your relationships." Some of you are getting mad at me. You know that Jesus said uh, when the disciples said, "How many times should we forgive these, these people?" 2018, these, these knuckle-headed people that keep on messing up. He goes, no, just 70 times 7. In other words, it's a phrase for saying you keep on forgiving if they keep on repenting. You just keep on forgiving. So you have to understand that the grace of God is something that is amazing when it comes to relationships. Understanding that people, say, let me just say this. Applying the grace of God in your relationship is understanding that people are human and that when people, and that they they make mistakes, watch this, and then when people wound you in a relationship, it's not necessarily because they're trying to wound you on purpose. I'm not saying that we are a doormat for people to walk on, but what I am saying is that the grace of God actually applied in a relationship sees the relationship from a different angle, and not only what's done to you, but you're actually giving grace in the relationship because you know it's worth saving. You know it's worth saving. We have lost the art of sticking together when conflict happens. You're like, oh, okay, then fine. You go that way, and I go my way. Fine, I don't want to see you. And you're, we're throwing away years of close relationships because we can't agree on each other. We need the grace of God. We need the grace of God. Having a, relay, a revelation of the grace of God helps you to forgive others quicker. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Having the grace of God applied in your relationships with your friend, with your spouse, with your church. And please, uh, we need the grace from you. Don't put so much insurmountable expectation on your pastor, on your leader. And, you, you know, I, I saw a post that says pastors nowadays are, uh, are expected to be uh, media savvy, put the best thing on, put the best music on, the best m- message on. And we come up short just in one thing. People will be like, I'm out of here. And we have no grace in our relationships, and we wonder why the church is so divided and so short-lived when it comes to relationships. How would you like it if God's, if God's definition of grace was dealing with us according to our definition of grace when we have towards each other? Right? Applying the grace of God means that you won't give up so quickly. Come on, man. We need to fight for our relationships one more time. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. With you for what? When you aim for restoration. That's what he's talking about. I want to give you a theological class today. He wasn't just saying bye-bye. He was saying the grace of God is needed when you aim for restoration. He says you need, need to have the grace of God be with you all. Now, that's one part of grace. Now, here's the other part of grace that people don't talk about. Because obviously we have two camps when it comes to grace, right? It's one camp is like, well, you know, just do whatever you want and then God will forgive you later, which is eh, wrong. Live however you write. And then there's the legalistic side, which is just, you know you, you know, you have to wear pants. You can't wear pants. Women can't wear pants or else they go to hell. That's the lie of either. But the other side of grace is actually the uh, divine ability, watch this, to do something or go through something. Listen, grace does not eliminate the trial or the conflict that you're going through. It gives you the strength to go through it. Now watch, watch, watch. Grace is the divine ability or power to do something or withstand something. Say that with me. Grace is the divine power or ability to do something or withstand something. Why do I say this? Because in Titus chapter 2, let's turn to there. I, oh, man. Oh, man. I, when I saw this uh, last year and I saw it again this year, I realized how much we need the grace of God in our relationships. Guys, after today, you're going to have a new definition of why you need grace in your marriage. Grace in your friendships. Grace with your boss or grace with your coworkers or your friends. Look at what Titus 2 says. For the what? Come on, shout at me, Church. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Watch this. It teaches us to say no. To ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And now, by the way, and that is uh, in the NIV version. So some of you are looking at your Bibles. In this Titus 2.13 NIV, it says the grace of God who appears for salvation is the same grace that says no. Wait, 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 time out. What teaches us, according to Titus, to say no to ungodliness and live self-controlled life? The grace of God. Look at that again. Look at it from the beginning. Look at it from the beginning. Look from that verse. For the grace of God has appeared to salvation. See, that's where we that's where the church stops right. Like, I'm saved by grace through faith. And praise the Lord. God got amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And it's just all kumbaya, you know? The grace of the Lord. It's just awesome. It's just so nice and soft. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Watch. Look, look at it again. Look at it again. It teaches us. What's it? The grace of God teaches us to say no. It's the power. It's the ability, it's a divine empowerment to do something or withstand something. That is why the apostle Paul, who wrote a third of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, his antidote and his answer, when he had a thorn on his side, everyone has a thorn on their side, some are bigger than others, glory to God. Some of you have multiple thorns sticking out your side, and you're just trying. And and Paul the apostle, Paul the Apostle said, I begged the Lord three times to remove this thorn. Now, you would think that the Apostle Paul would have a free ride because he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You would think that the Lord says, you know what? You got some deep revelation. You went to the third heaven and, and you even wrote about going to the third heaven and you just had an encounter with me. You know what? You are sacrificing so much for the gospel. Let me take that thorn away from you. You know what the Bible says? That the Bible says in Corinthians... You know what it says when he said, uh, he said, Lord, I, I beg. You know what, just, 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 just go there. 2 Corinthians chapter Corinthians 12, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 in the New King James. Are you getting something? Look, look, look at the power to go through something. That's why we need it in our relationships because some of you are going through some tough times in your relationship and you have not invited the grace of God. You have not invited the power to go through something. Now look at look at God's answer to the mighty apostle Paul when he was li- listen guys begging. Okay? Do you know what begging is? Ain't too proud to beg. But I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say. This is what pleading means. Please, Lord. Please, Lord, take this thorn. Now, we don't know what that thorn is. It could have been a, a, a marital thing. It could have been a, a wound relationally that he had. Uh, as some people speculate. We're not here to speculate what the thorn is. I'm going to tell you what the response to the thorn was. The doctor's orders. And you, some of you are not going to like it because that means you have to endure something. Lord, please, I haven't had a job in two years Remove this, remove this from me. Lord, I have this relational conflict with this person. Lord, please make it better. Lord, please make please. Lord, it hurts too much. Lord, this financial pressure. This, please, at least, listen, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation. <laughs> by the abundance of revelations given to me, a thorn in the flesh, I want, I want to highlight this word, was given to me. <laughs> chew on that, was, here you go, Paul. This is for you. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it may depart from me. And look at the mighty response from the Lord. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect. I'm going to add something. In your relationships, in your weaknesses, in your trials, my strength is made perfect. Now, Paul changes his whole mind. He goes, therefore, after hearing that, I most gladly will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Keep going. Verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities and reproaches and deeds and persecutions. What mad man would take pleasure in that? In distresses for Christ's sake, watch this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. You want a key to heal your relationship? Invite the power to sustain and go through something. Not one time did did you see the Lord say, give me that thorn. He says, my grace is sufficient. In NLT, it says something more deeper. He says, my grace is all you need. He says my grace is all you need. That means, uh-oh, uh-oh, sometimes you'll still be walking with that thorn sticking out, but you're going to still be obedient because now the blow or the pain is not as heavy because the grace of God is covering it, soothing it and shaping you into his character. Say grace of the Lord. He said, let the grace of God be with you. That's the first key to relationships, inviting the grace of God. Will you invite the grace of God, the power of God to go through through a tough time? When I was going through something, I'll be honest with you, I didn't invite the grace of God. I tried to do it on my own. That's the problem. When we get down on ourselves, when we get hurt, we, at, we get like amnes- spiritual amnesia, the church does. We f- suddenly forget everything that we've learned and we swallow in our pain. And I did not invite the grace of God. I was I was trying to fight anger off, bitterness off. And, and, and plotting and, 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 and taking all those thoughts out. But not one time that I say, Lord, I invite the grace of God in my relationship, that suffering. May the grace of God be with you when you aim for restoration. Oh, watch this. The second thing that he said when it comes to aiming for restoration, put that next slide up, is the love of God. Oh, I'm going to preach a little bit here. The love of God, he said, may the grace of God be with you. Then he goes, the love of God. Everybody say the love of God. Because the love of God, we need to apply the love of God in our relationships. Why? Because we don't feel like loving people when we get hurt in our relationships. Come on, five of you said amen. Don't don't look at me like you you just had an argument like, I love when you argue with me like that. Give me a kiss. I love that. You're so cute when you're angry and, and, and curse me out. When you get in a conflict with somebody and they wound you, you don't feel like loving them. Come on, somebody. So you have to remind yourself what love is because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something really powerful here. You don't have to have a dictionary to know what love is. There's actually a verbal dictionary, a verbal definition of 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 the love of God in your Bible without going through a Greek lexicon, without going through a dictionary because it's plain as day in First Corinthians 13 it says love is patient. I just lost half of the room right there. In a relationship, if you don't invite the love of God, you're not inviting the patience of God in that relationship, and you will call it quick, quicker than normal because we have no patience. Stop praying for patience and stop having and start having a revelation of the love of God. Because without patience, you can, sorry, without love, you can't have patience. The love of God is 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 birth patience. As a matter of fact. In Jeremiah, I'm going to get to First Corinthians uh, in a second. You know that Jeremiah, the prophet told Jeremiah, he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You know who he said that to? He said it to an ill-tempered, often hardened, and often wayward Israel. He said, tell them, I have loved them with an everlasting love. But in that scripture I never saw before, the love that's everlasting actually is redemptive and restorative in nature. It's not this lovey-dovey love like, tell tell this rebellious Israel that I love them. No, there's actual action in the word love that actually builds and rebuilds. Oh, my God. No, 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 watch watch this. Look at Jeremiah chapter 3. Look at this. This is so good. I'm going to run around the church myself. Jeremiah. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Come on. on. Lay hands on my own head. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 31. Watch this. Look at this. Are you ready for this? He's saying this to rebellious, stiff-necked, often uh, uh, critical and and, and messed up to him. The Lord has appeared to me of old saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Watch this. I I totally missed this, what I'm about to say with you. Therefore, with loving kindness I have drawn you. See, we always pause at that point. I'm just going to woo you, and I'm just going to leave you there. He doesn't leave us there. His love actually restores, and I will build you. And watch this. You shall be rebuilt. I I never saw that. You shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. You shall again be adorned with your tambourines. Come on, Spanish people with the tambourines. Spanish grandma. So that's proof there were Spanish people in the in the Bible. Glory to God. <laughs> and shall go forth in dances with those who rejoice. Watch this. It's the love of God that's everlasting that actually rebuilds. I used to see that. I used to never see that. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, wait, wait! The love of God doesn't just say, "Come here." Oh, you're good, but you're still broken. But I still receive you. No, I'm going to receive you just as you are, and I'm going to restore you, and I'm going to rebuild you. Is His everlasting love that seeks restoration in relationships? Do you realize if we don't have the love of God, it's, it's impossible to restore a relationship. Because our love is so much more weaker than God's love. If if you're only giving humanistic love to your friend, to your mate, to your spouse, to your your coworkers when it comes to the humanistic side, that's good, but it'll only last for a short time. If we invite the never-ending, never-stopping, has no start, has no finish, love of God, our relationships will start to blossom because we'll start seeing people as God sees them, not as we see them. I wanna so this is gonna be a little slap in the face, even for me, because I, I'm gonna read first the famous scripture, First Corinthians, but I'm gonna read it in NLT, and I want you to see it's like every every word about the definition of love in the NLT in First Corinthians like when it comes to relations, I'm like, oh God, oh God, oh God. Look at First Corinthians 13. This is gonna be good. You're gonna love me in a second. I know you love me, but watch. First Corinthians chapter 13. And I want you, listen to me, listen to me. I know we've read this a lot. I want you to read this in the context of applying it to relationships. Say relationships. Say relationships. Friendships, parents, brothers, pastors, churches, workers. When it comes to relationships, I want you to uh, think of it this way, not just 1 Corinthians 13, the love of God. Okay? Watch this. Love is, ouch, ouch, patient, is patient. Definition. You don't even have to go to a dictionary. He just told you what love is. If we do not have patience with each other, it's a recipe for fractured relationships. I'm on, somebody. I, I, and I'm going to keep going because I saw some people going, mm-hmm. I just saw a the crowd like, mm-hmm. Love is patient. Watch this, watch this. Do you want to you know another word for patient in the New King James? You have it in your Bible. Suffers long. I I could go home and preach. I could go home now. Love suffers long. Suffers long. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. You don't understand. That's where we get the word (laughs) long-suffering. That means in a relationship, if you have the love of God, you're able to suffer long when it comes to the dynamics of you not feeling fair in the relationship because the love of God rules you. And when the love of God rules, you are able to, watch this, endure more. But the love of God doesn't leave you there. He doesn't leave you as a punching bag because he wants to restore. Now, watch this. It's kind. Uh, let's apply this to our relationship. Are we kind when we deal with each other? Or do we want to prove our point? Love is not jealous. <laughs> let, me just, let me just keep going. Let me just keep going. I see, I see people going like this. <laughs> So let's just keep going, right? Not, love, is not, love is not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud. Watch this. I'm going to give you an outro moment for me in a second. Keep going. Verse 5. All of them are outro it's not. It's not rude. Love is not, oh, how, that's rude. Love is not rude. <laughs> Talk to me, somebody. In a relationship, it does not, oh, oh, oh it does not demand its own way. I want it my way. No, but you you always go to your family's house. I want you I want to go to my family's house. No, but I, you always put the A, you always put the AC low and I want it higher. You you always want to go to this person's house and I want to go to this person's house. <laughs> Come on, you know I'm preaching to you this morning. It, it, love. Lo- that's why. That's why he said, "May the grace of God and the love of God be in you when you aim for restoration," because the love of God actually restores relationships. Because it's patient, it's kind. It doesn't boast. Watch it. It doesn't. It, it doesn't demand its own way. Oh, this is an ouch moment for me. It's not irritable. Oh Lord, <laughs> forgive me, Lord Jesus. I, I I get irritable sometimes, and I'm like, Lord, I just I just you know I'm like, ugh. And when I read that, it's like a sword. He says, you know what? You need to be perfected more, in my love, because you get irritable too quickly. And in a relationship, it will destroy a relationship if you're quick, tempered, and irritable all the time. Because you're a ticking time bomb. No one wants to be around ticking time bomb. How you doing? Tick, 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 tick. I said, I said, go to your room. No. Tick tick tick. Boom! Lord, forgive me. Because we've all been at that point we've been we've been irritable with each other. I don't think you, you can even be qualified to be married if you haven't had irritableness with each other every now and then. Watch this. <laughs> the love of God in a relationship of any kind is not irritable. Oh, my God. Watch this next one. There's a slap in the face. It keeps no record of being wronged. Ho oh, ho Oh, this lie that we say, I'll forgive, but I don't forget, it is unbiblical. (laughs) It is not biblical to say, I forgive, but I won't forget, because it keeps, because love keeps no record of being wrong. Listen, listen. It doesn't say keep no record of of being wrong, like you're wrong, of being wronged. That means... It keeps a no record. No record of the many times that you have been mistreated. My God, do we have a long way to go in our relationships? If you're looking at me or you're looking at your friend or you're looking at your spouse and you can't receive from them because internally you've racked numbers of things that they've done against you, let me give you a clue. Let me give you a clue. You want heaven to be closed over your life and not receive anymore from people that God has put in your life, start marking the, all the wrong that they did and hold it, hold it against them and you will never receive from them. You will never receive the purity of the gospel if you're holding five, six, seven things in your head. Oh, that's the seventh thing that he did wrong. Why did he have to go up there and say it that way? Why does he do it this way? Do, and then, you know what? In your mind, you're like, one slash, two slash, three slash, four slash. And then before you know it, you, you come to church like this. There he goes again. That's number eight. <laughs> now, I'm only talking about church things, but it happens in marriage. It happens in Friendships. It happens in relationships in your work. It happens with your mother. It happens with your father. It happens with your sons. Come on, man. I'm preaching good this morning. Love keeps no record of being wrong. Jesus. Give me 10 more minutes, guys. I have a lot to give you. Keep, now, watch this. Keep, it does not rejoice with injustice, but, uh, but whatever the truth wins out. And I'm gonna keep progressing. Love never gives up. Say that with me. Love never gives up. Come on, one more time. Love never gives up, never loses faith in a relationship. It's always hopeful that God will restore in a relationship. And love endures, endures, endures through every circumstance. Come on, give a praise break for the Lord, somebody. Amen. That's why Paul the Apostle says, aim for restoration. Then I'm going to tell you how to do the aiming. You have to invite the grace of God. And he says, may the love of God, because that's important. I just broke it down for you. The love of God is important because it endures every circumstances. Would you invite the love of God afresh in your relationships? I'm not talking about your romantic love or your need for to be right. That is important. But I'm talking about a love that is selfless and keeps no record of wrong, being wronged, and is patient. Say patient. patient. Say patient. See, patience is not just a virtue. It's it's rooted in the love of God. Can I hear an amen? It's rooted in the love of God. Glory to God. Amen. Now, all right. If love is patient, then we can't have patience without the love of God ruling in our heart. I'm going to say that again. You can write that down. If love is patient then you and I cannot have patience without the love of God ruling in our heart. Believe me, I'm getting smacked too. I need to contend for a greater revelation of the love of God. And you know what I've been starting to do? Every, for this week, I, I used to want to do it, but uh, the Lord got on me. Every day I'm taking communion in the morning with the Lord. Every day now, I have these little little cups and a little, little grape juice that's prepackaged, and I sit there no matter how tired I am, and I go through the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for that. And I go through my relationships. I go, I go and I say, let the love of God rule my heart today. Now watch this. Man, I got so much so I'm going to I'm gonna have to do in two weeks. I have this really powerful revelation, but I don't know if I have time. The third key that he ends it is this. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I want the worship team to come up here, please. My God. So Paul the Apostle ends his discourse by addressing broken relationships, and he says, aim for restoration. Here's how you do it. May the grace of God be with you. May the love of God be with you. And watch this. May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Hear me, church. I don't care what background you come, whether it's Catholic, Baptist, or or, or non-denominational, you must have a revelation of the Holy Spirit's role in your life. Because... The Holy Spirit is not some Casper the friendly ghost. It's not an it. It's a person. And, the, and, and you cannot have a mending of relationships without the powerful activity and, 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 and presence of the, of the Holy Spirit. When's the last time you have invited the person and the power of the Holy Spirit to help you in a relational wound? Come on, come on, say be honest, be honest. May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with you. It's almost impossible to rectify a relationship that has gone sour without the intentionality of inviting the person of the Holy Spirit in there. Why? Because the Holy Spirit not only is powerful and mighty. Are you ready for this? One of the definitions and names for the Holy Spirit is counselor. So why pay for hundreds of dollars for relational mending in a counselor if we have a divine counselor living inside of us from heaven that will save us hundreds of dollars? If we fellowship with him, he will then release his instructions and his voice so you could be counseled by him directly. The Holy The reason why Paul the Apostle says fellowship, it means talk to the Holy Spirit. Talk to the Holy Spirit, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and watch this. As you fellowship with the Holy Spirit, he will now give you divine instructions of how to approach that relationship, which may be different from this relationship or that. To some of you, as you fellowship with the Holy Spirit, he'll give you strategy and says, you know what, she likes chocolate cake. Go ahead and buy chocolate cake for her and ease that thing down. And you may say that's maybe silly, but if the Holy Spirit says, want you to go ahead and do this, do an act of kindness for that person all of us all of a sudden you hear that you try all the strategies but the holy spirit says no that strategy doesn't work just try this call them up and just tell them that you love them all of a sudden uh, uh, there was a, a time uh, for me that I, I felt the lord say i want you to give and sow seed into a person that may have hurt you I'm like, I'm not gonna sow seed in the name of Jesus. Get behind me and devil in the name of Jesus. And the Lord says, That's not the devil, it's me. Sow a seed. I'm like, I need a seed. <laughs> I did. I'm like, I need it. The Lord said, sow a seed. Watch this, guys. See that, that that's not humanistic wisdom. That's spending time with God and the Holy Spirit saying, You need to do this because it's gonna soften your heart in the process. And give you more love for that person in the process as you humble yourself and sow into somebody that has hurt you. Come on, somebody. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So I heard the Holy Spirit say years ago, go ahead and sow this person. And when I sowed this person, I saw, oh, oh, thank you, their response. Thank you so much. That was, that was kind of you. Thank you. Next month, the Lord says, sow again. Sowed right into them personally. Wrote a check. Well, no, actually did it through, through um, electronic. Did it again. I wrote something. God bless you. Here's for you. Keep on doing the things of the Lord. And I saw this person slowly, but surely, their heart starts softening, softening, and softening. Until our relationship was completely restored. Even though there wasn't really a huge fracture, there was a small fracture. is what I call a hidden fracture. Have you ever had a hidden fracture? It's a fracture that kind of like you keep going through the motions, but you never address that there's a fracture, but there actually is a fracture. Right? Like, hey, how you doing? Good, man. I'm good. All right. All right. See you, man. All right. All right you go over there. Yo. Yo. Those are the silent fractures. We say hello. To, we shake hands. We hug. But there's a, if, you, if I could just be really raw, there's a fakeness. There. What's going on, brother? I bless you. Amen. Preach. All right. Good. Good. But when I started being intentional and I obeyed the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was my counselor. Do you know that one of the words of Holy Spirit is paracletos? You know what the word paracletos means or paraclete? Counselor, comforter. Comforter, one who who stands in the court of law to bring defense. An advocate. He's an advocate. He said, "I'm standing for you in this relationship to mend it." We need this reality because the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and power and gives us divine instructions on how we should approach and heal a troubled relationship. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to love others because the love of God is shed abroad by the Holy Spirit crying in us, Abba, Father. When you invite the Holy Spirit in your relationships, what you're doing is you're inviting the very power that raised Jesus from the dead to resurrect something that you deem dead in your life. Oh, come on. The the Bible says the same spirit that that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So that means you have resurrection power, not just to say I have resurrection power. You have resurrection power to resurrect something that God started and you thought was dead. But God, the Holy Spirit, will whisper to you the counsel needed for you. Listen, if you are just quiet with the Lord and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, you will say you know what I have done something that maybe I have also contributed to this mess how can I bring healing and the Holy Spirit will say this is what you need to do you know what the Bible says in Isaiah you will hear a voice behind you say this is the way walk ye in it in other words you you hear a voice i'm going to end with it. i i had this powerful revelation that that i was going to say at the end but it's it's, it's late and i'm going to share it in two weeks from now the, the powerful thing that needs to happen I'll show you in two weeks but for now I'm going to tell you this Uh, lastly the the voice of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom and the counsel of the Holy Spirit only comes stronger when you spend time fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit if I call if I call Keith or if I call, let's say, Rady, or I call somebody that, 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 I, that I talk to a lot, I don't have to say, hi, how you doing? This is Pastor George Sinalongo from Remnant Christian Center. How, you, how are you? I say, what up? Hey, what's going on? What's up, PG? Well, how, other than caller ID, obviously caller ID, How would they know my voice if I didn't introduce myself? Because they spent so much time hearing me that they know my voice. So because they spent so much time with me, they know my mannerism and my voice fluctuations. And they'll say, that's PG. When you fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you'll be in a corner wondering how to heal a relationship, how to move forward. And the Holy Spirit will say, this is what you need to do to win their heart. And when you do this when you do this expect nothing in return and watch what happens and all of a sudden you start doing it you do it and right before your eyes oh i feel the holy spirit the softening of the heart begins to happen and all of a sudden you stop worrying about all the wrong that was done to you and now you realize that a relationship has been broken for a long time while you're trying to figure out who's right and who's wrong and now you're you're no longer saying well they need to see my side. Now you're saying look, go the low road do something encouraging for them and watch what happens. I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit says don't do what the people are saying for you to do go the low road and do this. And I have won more relationships over. People say why did you do that? I said because I want to go the low road. I want, to, I want to go the low road. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. I'm far from perfect. But what I am saying is that we need to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. I feel the Lord here. I was going to do something, but I'm going to do it two weeks. Please come in two weeks because I have something so explosive that I want to release. But I really want to honor you. And it would take another ten minutes of the revelation that God gave me. But if you've ever had a fracture in any relationship, any relationship, if you had a fracture with your husband or wife, if you had a fracture with a best friend, if you had a fracture with a church, all I ask is don't look one way only, don't look outward only, don't don't only look at the wrong. Look what you've contributed. Look how you have blessed or not blessed. Look how look how much you may be invited. The love of God or not the love of God. Three things. Everybody say aim for restoration. Today we're going to aim and we're going to aim for restoration. We're going to hit the bullseye and the bullseye there's three things in the bullseye. The grace of God, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. The grace of God, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. One more time. The grace of God The love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit come on invite those three aspects in your relationship as we lift up our hands right now come on I want you to do a homework as we worship I want you to invite the fellowship of the Holy Spirit the grace of God and the love of God who is patient and not irritable in every relationship and I want you to do something I'm going to give you a foreshadow There's a powerful thing when you bless people, and I'm going to share that with you in two weeks. It will discombobulate the chains that are around you. Come on, lift up your hands right now. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit RemnantChristianCenter.com.